The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, The Athletic. Subscribe right now for 25% off at theathletic.com slash RTRS. And Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours with the free Ricky upgrade at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. On the show today, oh boy. Well, we have playoff Embiid, we have playoff TJ, we have playoff Dario, and we have yet another win. So it's going to be one of those podcasts. <laughs> it's going to be one of those. Rack them up. Uh, bef- before we get started, you ca- you have uh, till the 26th to vote for the Wrights Ricky Sanchez Lottery Party Wedding. By the way, the Lottery Party is only, what, 26 days away, which is pretty awesome. Um, Starting to get pumped up. I was over at Xfinity Live yesterday or two days ago. Um, Anthony said to me, he goes, so when are you going to tell me what we're doing? (laughs) Soon, soon, buddy. But you can vote uh, for the wedding. The four couples are up there. It is a very close vote. We've had a ton of votes so far at rightsrickysanchez.com slash wedding vote. And speaking of the lottery party, the T-shirts, you have three days left. You have till April 23rd at 8 p.m. to order one of the T-shirts to get it in time for the lottery party. And you can buy them at rightsrickysanchez.com. And I'm not going to mention the, the newsletter because the Willie Green five-star Apple podcast review mentions the newsletter. So without further ado, here's Run the Jewel. We are the murderous pair. That went to jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then went to hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke powder of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. My name is Spike Eskin, along with a man whose claim to fame is barking like a dog at the end of a podcast commercial. That is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Oh, baby. I feel good. I feel so, good. It feels good to watch the game with people. I mean, not like with yep. it. I just watch it with Alyssa, but like watching it at the same time as them. This was the first yep. game because the first game I was at the bachelor party and I was hectic for a ton of reasons. Second game I couldn't watch live. And now I'm just at home, confined space, perfect atmosphere. Good win. Tough win. Well, it's, uh, it's nice to do a podcast like this after I noticed and I think you noticed as well, the podcast that we did after game two had so much basketball in it. Um, you know, we were talking about matchups and defenses I liked and it. all that kind of I stuff. I liked it. It, it. You know, it was good. It provided balance, but a, a, a win. And I think it showed everyone what we could do, you know. <laughs> but, but this one, this one, I think this one will be a mix. It'll have, uh, it'll have some of the silliness, right? Uh, I think the thing, it happened to me three quarters of the way through the game is I realized, you know, with all the stuff about the orbital bone fracture and then about the mask and blah, 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 I, I felt like nobody mentioned or I wasn't uh, thinking about that tonight was the first playoff game for one Joel Embiid and what a, a long road and of course it, it had the the extra you know thing at the end like he had to fight through two broken feet 
and the the knee injury and the you know the back injury earlier this year in the hand. But of course they had to break his face yep. um, and sink in his eye and make him come out there with some kind of ridiculous looking mask to play in his first playoff game. And I'm just I'm so happy for him and uh, proud of the the results. But there he is playing in a playoff game. It's pretty awesome. Well, I think it was because like we're not doing firsts anymore it's not like oh look at these little guys right. doing their things like we're in it we're in the playoffs we are now up two to one and i say we and i, I think about this sometimes where it's like we shouldn't it shouldn't be we it should be the sixers but like if there's yeah. any team that's a we it's the process sixers and it's us like we earn this 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 is our blood and sweat our faces were broken with mb's face and i'm very Pleased that he played. It was it was doubtful, and even that doubtful felt a little soft. It felt like a soft doubtful, and then the probable before the game, and then he played. The mask seemed like it seemed like a hindrance. I wonder how that what that's going to change going to game four. But hard to argue with twenty three points on eleven shots. Well, and the thing that you noticed right from the outset, because it took the offense a while to get going, obviously. And and there's you know, there's the mask thing and then there's it also did. Not I mean they playing. also scored thirty seven points in the first quarter, so not that long to get going. Oh yeah. No, I meant I meant he yes. offensively like looked out of sorts. But defensively, right away, you can just tell the difference between when he's there and when he's not. He's just he is uh, he is so big and he's so athletic and he has uh, it seems like he has remarkable timing for block shots actually for when to jump. Um, I, I the the difference with him defensively, just visually. Uh, I'm not talking about the numbers, but the the difference with having him on the court defensively is is pretty stark. Yeah, I mean a bunch of a bunch of just incredible plays and uh, whether that was. Uh, weak side blocks or just contesting. It seemed weird that they they hit a couple shots over him, which was which was odd for me because so usually it's anytime he's in with, he's within a vicinity of somebody they're missing that shot because they're they're just like a little bit uh, thrown off by how big and fast and uh, aware he is. But um, he played he played pretty good. Like I I I, I was frustrated by the his like lack of handles. He sort of like. Dropped every ball that came to him. Um, was very loose with it. He had that one play where he tried to go coast to coast, and I was just screaming. That's not. He's got to be able to play within himself, especially in the playoffs. Um, I think. I think at some point in his career, he'll be able to do that more confidently. But it's not now, especially in his first game back in a month. So there were a couple of, like frustrating plays for him as he's getting as he's getting his feet back under him. But once I, I loved the calling the third foul on Whiteside when he held up the three fingers right away. Um, and the, the the Winslow block on him was pretty fucking awesome. And then the block that he got back on Winslow, Winslow the next play was yeah. also awesome. It was great. It was honestly a great game. I mean, the Sixers won by 20, and I love that the Sixers can, can win a game that was as intense as this for the first three quarters. All of a sudden, they can just pull away and win by 20. That's such a nice feeling and a, and a feeling I've never felt before with the, with the Sixers team. And, um, but God, it was a yeah, t- because it was that a was not game. a 20 point, that was not your, your typical 20 point win. I mean, no. that was, that, that was, I was pretty scared of that game, most of the game. And even when they were up 10, it didn't feel like the game was, I, I it just seems like the last two games, the, the heat 
hit. It seems like they're open so much from three, and they hit so much from three yeah. that it didn't seem like the game was going to be. It didn't seem like the Sixers were going to be able to pull away. Well, they they had that. Um, they they made the decision to not cover James Johnson and uh, and Justice Winslow from three. They're just like we're not going to do it. And these are NBA players. These are, these are not. It's not like you're not covering Amir Johnson or Bam Adebayo. It's like these guys are at least ha- have the ability to score sometimes. So so the fact that these are NBA players that are wings that can step into a three, odds are they're gonna shoot like 40% plus from that shot and they were hitting those shots and I there's one thing about like hey we're going to give them those shots but you can still give them those shots without just laying, rolling out the red carpet and saying here please step into this without any defense whatsoever and that that's why the first half was really tough and finally they tightened up in the fourth and just took the wind out of them so much with that it was the what was there was one play? It was the it was Embiid's bank shot on offense that he, that when that went in on like the sort of like step back little fade fadeaway. Once mm-hmm. that went in, I was like they're winning this game, and there was still like six minutes left or something. But there it was. It's over, and they just kept taking the heart out of them, and all of a sudden Miami wilted, and they won by twenty. Felt great. Felt great. Yeah, I, and uh, I I just you know we said after the first game, and I. I thought reiterated that the series could be tough, but I just don't think that the Heat can score enough points to beat the Sixers four out of seven times. I just, I think the Sixers, um, I think at this point, though I would be able to live with it, I would be really surprised and disappointed if they ended up losing this series, you know, given what we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, they look, they, they, Miami took them out of their comfort zone. I mean, maybe this is just playoff basketball, and that's just something I have to get used to watching this team in the playoffs is that, is that it's going to be this tight. Everyone's going to play up this much on them. Um, but they they made it, the Sixers' lives so uncomfortable for two straight games, and Miami only won two quarters. Both second quarters, Miami won. Obviously, in the game two, they won by, like, 19 or whatever it was. But in game three, they won, in this game, they won by five. And so the Sixers won every other quarter and just – hung with them and they took away everything Miami was hitting so many shots that they should not be hitting look at their shot chart it's just so green it's crazy and for that to still be the case and the Sixers to be up two to one in the series with Embiid growing his way back to full strength I mean you got to feel good about this going forward if this is how this is how I, I don't think Miami can play much better than this you know no, it's certainly not better than the the last two games. They certainly can't make more shots than that. That's you know, at the end of the day, they they can't they can't make more shots than that. All yeah. right, there's a bunch of things I want to talk about, but before I do, Mike, it's time for the Willie Green five star Apple Podcast review of the week. Mm. We we are uh, the the rate five star ratings and reviews have been coming in fast and furious over the last week or so. One thousand four hundred sixty six. Of course, when we get to 2,000, I have to read the second thousand reviews on iTunes. This uh, review comes from the first Joel, and the subject line is, Kristen should just do the podcast. Um, The first Joel writes, I used to like the guys, but since Kristen started writing the newsletter, it's apparent that she is funnier and more processy than Spike and Mike need the podcast to tank until it recasts Kristen by necessity. Wow. So there you go. Yeah. 
She she Quite like took our style. Like she's writing in the style of us. Let's just make that yeah, she, clear. I don't want her to get she, too big for her britches. Well, she listened to the podcast and sure. she can I look, I remember when I started in radio when I was in college, I took the stuff from the radio guys I like the best. So Kristen's taking it from us. So whatever. That's great. Um That's great. All right, before we get to all these uh, other different things, so Embiid playing at all, are we confident, and I imagine we are, but are we confident that they made, and this is just guessing and tea-leaving, and we don't really know anyway. I guess we would just hope the answer is yes, but are we confident that he is okay to play? Like, that mask is pretty serious. It's the most serious mask I've seen in the NBA. It's the, mm-hmm. the first one I've seen that actually has a shield over the eyes as well. Um, they didn't, they're not risky. They're not being risky here, right? I think they're being a little risky. I think you saw okay. the urgency that Brett was like, you have to put this mask on when yeah. he sort of discarded it a couple times. And I loved, it's, very, it's so like, it's, it, there's there's moments like when you're watching the NBA games and or even any professional sport where you're like these guys are unbelievable I can't I can't even believe they're human and then Embiid has to wear this like goofy ass mask and he's looking at the coach like it's his dad being like do I have to <laughs> yeah. and he's like he's like Ben yeah. take it out take take it out to Joel take it out to Joel and like watching him Ben like scamper down the court with Embiid's mask it's just like these are kids it's it's very funny to watch um, but I do think that it's that it's serious um, if 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 there was like, hey, you should wear the mask. It's good for you. It's good to be pr- protective. And then he's like, hey, I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. I, don't, I can't really see with it on. Th- then I think they'd be like, oh, okay, well, we tried. But the fact that he's that serious about it makes me feel like there's real true damage of re-injury and worse injury that um, I don't know is going to heal by the time of, I don't know, this series or next series or the whole playoffs or what. Right. Yeah, it made me nervous, the quote that was, or not the quote, the line that was in the Keith Pompey thing today, um, just about permanent eye damage if he gets yeah. hit hard in the face. Now, I guess we could all have permanent vision damage if we get hit hard in the face, but you know that obviously, not obviously, my, my guess is it came from somebody on the inside. So um, look, I'm glad he played because he played well, and it was, it was great to see him be very Embiid the, from the... The holding up the three fingers for Whiteside and boy, like Whiteside is just fucking what a waste of space that guy is yeah. anymore. I, I would, mean, I mean, I, we wanted we I would want him to play in the game. I want him to play as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that and the the like, man, he hits one shot and he's quieting down the the crowd. He's giving them the shush. Yeah. Uh, it was the, he's the greatest. He's really the greatest. He's such a joy. He, uh, I love watching so many guys on this team, but watching Embiid brings a certain joy that I, is unmatched from anybody else. Yeah, we talked For about me. it. The, we talked about it the other day, but um, like sometimes this team now becomes the Marco Bellinelli, Amir Johnson, uh, veteran uh, journeyman show, and with Embiid back, that's no longer the case. Like. It's fun. It's, it feels like, oh, this is the team again. It feels like there's there's more ship of Theseus guys that we have. Not that I don't, not that I don't love all the Bellinelli Eliasova types, but it feels like, oh, th- this is the team that I'm I've been rooting for for X amount of years. 
It, sometimes one guy can make the difference between it feeling like a lot and a little. Mm-hmm. Like when everybody, when everybody else moves up a step, um, it, can, it can really change the composition of who's playing and what it feels like. And one guy can make that huge difference. And, and Beat is a, a huge guy to, uh, to make that difference. And speaking of the mask. The, yeah, talk, let's talk about it. Well, well, I mean, I was going to talk about the Winslow stepping on it. Yeah thing yeah uh like first of all this team is now i mean they are this is like a rival thing now with this team i mean they seem like they really fucking hate each other and everything that miami's pulling if they were on our team i would love yeah you know um you know i i don't want to tyler johnson it up too much but him out there hitting threes with the the hand wrap and and look being missing teeth and like Ugh. like everybody like Olenek is so dirty the the fucking the Wade thing with Justin Anderson and uh of all of them the Justice Winslow like really I mean you've seen a red lord of the lord of the flies right yeah i think so in the past have, yeah every, so there's this mo- so for anyone who's listening lord of the flies is about this uh group of kids that get stuck on this island and basically like have to manage themselves and govern themselves right. and they they turn on each other they get in different factions but the one like moment in the uh i i don't know if it was in the book i read the book in middle school but it was definitely in the movie but the one moment where you realize they've lose they've lost civilization is there's this one kid that wears glasses and the glasses fall off, and the, the guy from the opposite faction just steps on the glasses and crushes them. And it was, like, so disheartening. And that's what it felt like when Justice Winslow stepped on Impede's, like, on the mask. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He yeah. has a broken face. I kind of love it. Oh, man. I, would, I, I love it. People are, like, upset about it. I'm like, that's so cool. It's playoffs. Step on the goddamn mask. Let's go. This is, this is real. This isn't just, like, this isn't play fighting. This, they, they, they don't like each other. This got ugly. Justice Winslow, also, Julia Locafer's college teammate. Maybe there's some bad blood that way. I'd like to imagine that there is. I feel, <laughs> I, I mean, Olenek broke it on, like, a weird play where Embiid, like, went to the ground and they didn't call a foul. And then Justice stepped on it. And the ref sort of saw it. But, like, do you tee him up for that? Do you, I mean, should you, should he, I feel like he should have been teed up for it. For stepping, for, like, intentionally stepping on the mask and then picking it up and trying to, like, pull it apart. Like that's pretty clearly he's trying to fuck with him, and that feels like a excessive, not like yeah, incidental. It, yeah, it he did it on per, he stepped on his mask. I mean, like he definitely seemed like a tear or at least a, a finger wag and a yell at or something. 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 But there was nothing at all. No. Um, That's crazy. He went out of his way, and he 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 almost stepped on it like he was putting out a cigarette on yeah. the <laughs> yeah on, yeah on the. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Or something. All right, well, let's pivot right yeah. to the Justin Anderson, Dwayne Wade beef that I'm on board with 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, because I will take Justin. Justin Anderson does not give a fuck. No. Like, Justin Anderson is, he is, uh, he is, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Well, I love having the goon on, on, that, on that side because, like, yeah. obviously, Dwayne Wade is more important to this Heat team than Justin Anderson is to the Sixers. And so I'd, lo- I'd love to have the worst player in that in that beef. So you're like, hey, rattle him, rattle him. Who gives a shit? And, like, Simmons got got, got a little bit by James Johnson, and that was sort of a similar situation. And so I, I'd rather have the worst guy. And I, obviously, Justin Anderson played 
pretty well. And I'm, we've been calling for, at least I've been, I want him to play for the whole series. And the fact that he got in and, and mixed it up immediately was just, yeah. was great. It's exactly what he's there for. Like, he's supposed to be physical. And he's supposed to be strong. And that's what this, this series now dictates, that, that, that that's what it's going to have to be. Well, and I also think he has, look, when, when you watch the video, it's clear that Wade pulls him into the crowd. Yeah. But I do think as well that Justin Anderson is one of those sorts of guys that is skilled in like making sure his arm is in such a position that Wade is going to do that. I, I Like he's got a little bit of Olenek in him, a little bit mm-hmm. in that he's out there to get that, to make that stuff happen. So, um, you know, Wade is dirty and has hurt people before, but I, you know, it's no coincidence that it was Justin Anderson in there mixing it up with yeah. him. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing that I thought of immediately, um, and maybe this is just two deep sixers for anybody that hasn't been following for so long, is the play, I think it was two years ago, I think it was in the 10-win season, when they almost beat Golden State, when Harrison Barnes hit that three in the corner. Was that two years ago? And and Sean and Sean Livingston grabbed Covington's arm and pulled him away, and that wasn't as Wait, like was that, dirty. Was that the Cannon game? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was two. Yeah, years it was ago. two years ago. Two years ago. So yeah. obviously that wasn't as dirty, but that was very similar. Like pull this guy's arm to get the guy out of the way, and I immediately got re mad about that because the Sixers should have won that game against Golden State two years ago, and yeah. not, and that, that was, was during the, like a, the, during a losing streak or something. It was the Canon four-point play. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was on a Friday or Saturday night. I remember where I was. I remember the bar I was at watching that. I think I was in the gr- uh, grinder writer's room. I think that's where I was watching that and getting mad about it. I love imagining you from from the bachelor party. Your, your West Coast um, living is like being three hours before puts you in so many of those situations. Yeah, yeah. You're watching a game in one of those situations, which I do enjoy. I like it. I like it less. I'd, I'd rather be. I mean, I do like watching games three hours earlier. I think then you have the rest of the night. Or it's football. It's great. You watch it at ten a.m. It's right there. But uh, playoff basketball. I came. I sort of. I kind of skipped out of work. Not early, but quickly. And yeah, people were saying goodbye, and I got a text from my ready partner that like our boss came to say bye, and I was already gone. So already that, gone. hey, I got to get home, man. It's Sixers playoffs. What are we doing? Well, you you know it's uh, I don't it just made me think of this. Um, the one thing I meant to m- mention to you about the James Herbert article, the quote from you that I thought was really appropriate, um, it really hit home with me, is that you either feel like you're being you're playing it down mm-hmm. and people are acting like you're being modest, or you're playing it up and people think you're in like think that you're you're making a bigger deal of it than it is like there, there's no appropriate way no. to talk about the podcast so um did you guys start lead, trust the process it's like well um i kind of kind, yeah, kind of yeah yeah <laughs> um let's take a break to talk about our sponsor ll pavorsky jewelers the uh official jeweler of the right Ricky sanchez podcast now 79 or 78 uh, couples have purchased engagement rings from listening to the podcast and going to LL. Mike, I'd like to tell you that I met a couple number 76 yesterday. Uh, Lee told me they were coming in. I guess they had to get the engagement ring resized. It was Zach and Tori. And uh, Lee, 
you want to talk awkward, Lee surprised them with me, which is a lot of pressure. <laughs> I think I saw the pictures. On... I was like, oh, weird. Well, it's a lot of pressure on them and me. Sure, you know? sure. Like, no one's be- pleased. Be- because well, when they walk in, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I hope they recognize me. Like, like I hope that they, they at least know why I'm there. So they were, they were very, very nice. Um, they had been going out for seven and a half years before he proposed. So Lee, and this is the kind of guy that Lee is. He has a stranger waiting for them. And also he had a, uh, a bottle of Dom Perignon waiting for them. And, uh, and you know, he was going to size them up and I think they were there to look at wedding bands or something so I met couple number 76 a very lovely couple so congratulations to Zach and Tori who were on the trip they went on fly the process look um, they had an amazing experience buying from Lee everybody that reaches out to us after they go and buy an engagement ring from LL Pavorsky knows that he is not only a 53 year old Rashawn Holmes fan but he is uh, our trusted jeweler and friend and the person who is going to lead you through the process of buying an engagement ring, which can be intimidating, can be scary, it's expensive, it's confusing, but Lee's going to um, maybe confuse you in other ways, but with the ring stuff, you'll be totally in. And uh, the only bad thing is when you come to pick it up, I might be waiting there for you. <laughs> you never know. So if you want to buy an engagement ring from Lee, the best thing that you can do before you go in there is to make an appointment with him so he can find out everything you need and everything you want. So when you come in, he can have it laying out for you. Uh, Call him 215-627-2252. You can email him. You can do that from llpavorsky.com or just tweet at him at llpavorsky. The store, by the way, at 707 Walnut right there in Philly. Um, And for every podcast, Lee makes a generous donation to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Justice Rescue. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Now offering engagement masks. (laughs) Yes. Ooh, that would be a pretty, pretty awesome thing. A diamond studded engagement mask. There you go. Um, So we also had, um, it's been an interesting thing watching Brett decide between TJ and Fultz. Yeah. And what it seems like it is now is that he leads with Fultz to see if Fultz has it or not. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, then he goes to TJ. Yeah. And Fultz was not good again tonight. Um, his, defensively, he, he, he was bad. He was bad on times. him. He looked, yeah. he looked lost yeah. on offense. He looked slow. He had that one nice pass off like a broken plate at Ilyasova for a layup, but didn't just never felt like he was in control just seemed sort of so hesitant and I think at this point I think it was the right move to try to go to him again just to just to see what he gives you because I think it's a I think it's the right idea to say hey if Fultz is peak Fultz he helps you more than TJ does but right now TJ just knows what he's doing in there I mean TJ didn't play perfect basket he looked a little bit like rusty or uh, jittery but I think just like the confidence of knowing what you're getting out of TJ and him being pesky and annoying and just being able – like seriously, he's still the best guy on the team in getting to the rim. Somehow, he's fa- he's fastest with the ball or a slithery with the ball and able to get to the rim. And those that three-point play was huge. That one bucket where he made uh, – mm-hmm. I think it was Tyler Johnson fall down was huge. I mean, he played yep. – he, he had that one steal that didn't result in anything, but he's – He's got to get. He's got to get. I would. I think the rest of the series. I think you. You give T.J. Fultz's minutes. Yeah, I. I hate to 
to be this guy because I know the numbers suggest, and even up until this point, the eye test has suggested that TJ has not been real good since the All-Star break, um, has been a, you know, sort of a negative. But at this point, the confidence and the intensity is just like, if you need, if all we're going to do really is, um, is have that guy play for eight minutes, six or eight minutes, at this point, I think TJ offers you more, at least, uh, I know this sounds crazy, but at least if he gets fouled, I'm not nervous he's going to shoot the free throws. Um, defensively, he knows where everybody's supposed to be. I just think at this point, I get them. And I, I really think Brett will still give Fultz a chance. And I, I understand that he, he doesn't want to bench him for the kid's head. But when it comes down to it, if you need one of the two, I think TJ, uh, TJ has become that guy. And it was good to see intense TJ. Even on the... Uh, the Embiid three-point play. Yeah, Embiid came in and was screaming at the crowd, and there was TJ with the uh, with the high five, which yeah, I loved. Just staring at him, just staring. At him. I mean, he played. He yeah. played. He played great. He played like that was a very important. It was like the end of the third quarter, and that I think gave us momentum going into the fourth. And um, ah, just a, like he played. He played a little bit in the previous games, but this was this was a we talked about it on, the, on after game one, but like. Seeing him be in there and like making a difference, not just garbage time, not just extending the lead situation, like making a real difference and feeling good is very rewarding. And it started off with us. Started off chug, chugging two beers at the live pod. Promising the playoffs. Promising the playoffs, saying he didn't want to go to fucking Cleveland. Maybe he'll have to go to fucking Cleveland in the conference finals. But honestly, probably not because they're not going to make it. Anyway. And – and uh, and calling Joel Embiid the second coming of Christ. If if you've never if you're new to the podcast, you should really go back to October and listen when TJ was on the live podcast. It's it's I don't like live podcasts either. Like I like I can understand liking being there, but I know when my when the podcast like the uh, when I'm listening to Pod Save America and it's a live one, I'm like eh, I don't think so. But the one with TJ is a hundred percent worth the listen. I was more um, drunk than I should have been. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, The other guy that really showed out tonight and the guy that for some reason, well, not for some reason, but but because he's been through this stuff before, but the guy that seems like the vet, even though he's not the vet, and maybe it's because he doesn't understand any of the jokes, it is, uh, is, I love Dario. I love playoff Dario. I love... um, Amos said the other night at the game when Dario took it three is like there are certain points when Dario just goes, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Like he probably gets frustrated with all the the passing and when people aren't doing things right. So when he went and maybe it was in the second quarter, second or the third, when he hit that three and he's screaming at the rest of the team down the court, like, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. I just in that accent, even though I couldn't hear it, I could imagine it. it was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, he's when he can step into a three, it's almost automatic. It's it really he, is. He, if, if he's if he's especially if he's the trailer, if it's if it's Simmons pushing and he can just drop it back to Dario, that shot's going in. It's absolutely going in. If it's if it's above the break, he's hitting it, and he's just got to be able to get those looks. And you got to if if you're Simmons or you're even Redick, if you if you're putting pressure on the defense going downhill, then you just know that you have that behind you with Dario, and I love it there. Um. I'm trying to think of another Dario. There was another Dario play, and I didn't write it down. There was a nice uh, – um, towards the end of the game, like a very 
like total game in the books situation. Bellinelli poked it out of I think it was Olinix hands and then tipped it to Simmons. Simmons up ahead to Dario to Covington back to Dario for a nice like lefty transition bucket. Like Dario took he took like shots in this game. Like he got blocked a couple times. He got stonewalled by James Johnson or Josh Richardson. Like they adjusters Winslow. Like it was not an easy game for him. Like he played well, 21 points on 17 shots, seven boards, four assists, no turnovers. Like he played good ball, but he got embarrassed a couple times and because he's just not as athletic with these guys. And if, and if he's either a step slow or his moves too predictable, or if he doesn't pump fake and clumpy flump enough, then they, they're going to catch up to it and, and make him look stupid. And for, for him to be able to like take those lumps and take those shots and turn around and still like have a good game and, and be for the meat of the game, like the difference, like he was bringing us back. He was keeping us in it. And I mean, it's his second year in the league. I love, I, I, I love him so much. I love him so yeah. much. Dario's gone up the rankings. A, a, a quick thing about the mask that I forgot to say, you have to like two, two more mask things. All right. First of all, did you think to yourself? Cause I, I know I did. Wait a minute. If that's the only mask, what the fuck are they going to do? Like, is he going to be, what if he can't play the rest of the game because the mask is broken? That went through my head. And then the other thing that went through my head was all they did, the lead up to this was scientists from NASA got into a room. <laughs> they, they called Elon Musk. Like they, they, they all, and, and they, they put together this mask that's never been seen before. And you look at it and all of a sudden it looks like, like uh, your metal shop teacher or uh or like something from like breaking bad goggles over a uh, over a, a Halloween mask. The and writers from Doctor Who came together to figure yeah. out what from <laughs> space would work out. Like how the fuck did it break? Two of them, two of them broke. It broke twice. It broke when he was sitting down too. It's just like I don't know. With all the the talk they did about it, I thought the mask would have looked a little more high tech than it actually. It did, did look very Batmany. Like it did truly look. Like straight up, just like oh yeah, and beats doing a Batman thing. Like if you if you fell asleep for like a month and and woke up and came to as the Sixers were playing this game and you saw Embiid wearing that, you'd probably be like, oh, he's doing a Batman thing, sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. He decided to wear it for fun. Yeah, he is. He is the most like. Obviously, we had Iverson, and he was the most one of the most unique figures in sports ever. But Embiid is right up there in terms of how just singular he is. In so many ways, calling himself the process, having to sit out for two years, being seven foot two and being able to do all the things he can do, how funny he is online, and not being not this being his first or second language, like it's, it's. I just feel so lucky to have him, and I, every time we talk about it, I just want to make sure we're not taking him for granted, because in his first playoff game ever, he's just great, and he started off like not great. He looks clumsy, and then all of a sudden he turned it on, on both ends, and it was. Beautiful. It's game over. I think I, I think like the series ended when Embiid just like locked in. Yeah. Do you I, I I'm looking at the Heat guys. I, I think about guys like um I think about Wade, right? And here you are, you weren't even on this team all year. And you know this team, even if they were to somehow make it past this round, has no chance of doing anything. I think there's a chance that some guys on this team could quit, you know, and not like Miami looks like they like look like they quit in the the last half of the fourth quarter there when it started to get out of reach. I don't know. I I don't think um 
I don't think the next two games, I, I think they could win the series. And I think it's most likely going to end in six, but it could definitely end in five. That'd be pretty good. Coming, coming back to Philly up three, one up two one. Well, we look, we got, we got too cocky after game one and we got punched in the mouth game too. So I don't want to, I don't want to assume anything. I just feel like with Embiid back, I really was screaming too many weapons in the, when, when it was, when the Sixers regular starting lineup was back and there was, and they were on offense. Like you could tell Miami, although they got up in, Reddick's face and actually and and Bellinelli's and Reddick only played 28 minutes because he just like wasn't that effective shooting wise and wasn't getting those open shots. Although I will say also it, that that Reddick like using that to like, okay I know I'm not a couple bad shots but I know I'm not getting these looks that I need so let me drive and open things up for some other guys that opened up the court a lot for everybody. Yeah, he uh, and he didn't play in crunch time. It was Bellinelli and not Reddick in yeah. crunch time. He he didn't he wasn't really playing there. I think we I I every time and I am proud, one million percent proud to be the guy that people tweet at when Robert Covington does something bad. Um, I will take that. I will ride for that guy from now until mm-hmm. the end of time. Mm-hmm. Um, he he did not have. It seems like he has when he has a a particularly bad offensive game. It feels ugly, and he did not have a good game tonight. Well, yes and no, right? So he had he made some really dumb plays, like two or three yeah. truly dumb plays. And defensively, he he got his hands in there a bunch of times, but it feels like he he seemed like he held on. They got by him a couple times, and he like on a yeah. whether it was Olinick or Whiteside on those screens up front, he would just get behind him and let it was usually Dragic take like an open three or an open look. And it was seemed like he wasn't getting around screens very quickly. That's not usually, he's not, he's not great at navigating screens, but it seemed especially like he was kind of giving up on a couple of them tonight. So that was frustrating. But you look, I mean, you look at the box score. He, he knew he, he shot three or five from deep. He was or three or five from the field, two or two from deep, 11 points, four assists, three steals block. Like he did all right. Like he didn't, he certainly didn't, aside from those couple of really frustrating plays, he certainly didn't, crush the team like he would on occasional like two of 13 shooting what do you think it is um because he he is my my favorite sixer what do you think it is that um like when he messes up why everyone jumps down his internet throat so quickly doesn't it seem like it like or maybe it's just that I see it because I'm sensitive to it or yeah. people tweet it at me. But it's like, I feel like I see a lot of, this guy is, send him to the G League. This guy's not, you got to get him out of there. Like, it seems like it happens right away with everything he does. It drives me fucking berserk. Well, people, don't, um, people don't appreciate defense. And also, I think he just got that new contract. So it became like everyone's talking about him. So they feel like they have to go up against him. I think it happens with Reddick too. Like guys, people are tweeting at me like $23 million for what? And it's like, well, he's a good player, and he got him here. Like, they wouldn't be the team they are without Redick. And so it's just, I think, I think it's shooters specifically, guys that are like, you're supposed to make shots. So if you ever miss a shot, then you didn't do your job. Right. And so even, and even though Covington, if you look at Covington, like he missed that layup, which was very frustrating in transition. And he's gotten better at that over the course of the season for sure. But it was a tough, tough one to miss because that was a that was a big moment in the game. Obviously, it didn't ended up not mattering, but. I don't know. People, people. Went on. I mean, like, Mark. So we talked about last last week or last game last week. We do a podcast every two days now. We talked about mm-hmm. it last time. 
about how Miami was forcing uh, the Sixers' wings to make decisions and make plays and how that like hamstrung everybody because they weren't ready to do that. Well, they kind of were tonight. So you look at Bellinelli, Redick, and, and Covington, two guys not known for their playmaking ability and handles or whatever it is. They got 12 assists to two turnovers. And I think that was the difference in the game. They started passing the ball really, really well and using each other. And then Embiid being in there sort of taking attention and Simmons still being as aggressive as he was, like really a couple times just deciding to get to the basket or get to the line. And that opened up so many other things. So I, I wonder, we were talking about last week, like or last pod, what, uh, what, what um, <laughs> adjustments, yeah. we were talking about, yeah. what adjustments Brett was going to make from game to game. And I think this was, without him hearing, without hearing about it, it was like, hey, guys on the wing, like you got to be ready to make quick decisions and make quick passes and, and, and go, go buy your guy or whatever. And it, it showed up. It showed up tonight. I think the, I think Embiid managed to balance out some. They, Miami wasn't as aggressive as they were in game two, but they still, with Reddick specifically, they were. And I think with with Covington a couple times, like Dragons was in his face. Um, but like Winslow wasn't as close on Simmons and didn't seem to be bothering him as much. James Johnson wasn't, got up on Dario, but not quite as much. Ilyasova didn't seem to be that much of a factor, but like didn't get rattled as much and I think it was because they got the ball out of their hands quicker and that was that seems like that was the adjustment over the over the game to game I did get a a lot of questions about the uh the Miami Heat hate rankings and uh who if if we've had any adjustments in the hate rankings we did talk about that last pod right because I think I settled on white side that I hated the most yeah who who now I sort of I sort of feel bad for white side now and mm-hmm. Dragic seems like a little bitch. Oh, I like him. I like him a lot. He's so good. I've always liked him. I like a lot of these guys. I, I think you're right. Like if they if they were Sixers, like we'd just be all about him. Like James Johnson yeah. has a domestic violence past, so I don't uh, love him, but I like his game very much. Uh, I really do love Josh Richardson. Uh, I think he's gonna absolutely be a stud. Um, I'm not a Tyler Johnson guy. You are. But Justice Winslow, yes, like Justice Winslow, played good ball. Like stepping into threes, being confident, making plays. But somehow he was in minus 27. I don't know how that happened. Maybe it was just the fourth quarter. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. The, I, I think, like, the, the Miami has guys that can, they can throw at you and that can do things. They can bother you on one end or Wayne Ellington can hit shots on the other end or they can, like, Dragic can get to the basket. But I don't think that they have quite as many two-way players that aren't a liability in some area as I as maybe they get credit for. Like, I think Josh Richardson... And even Winslow played well, but still, like, you know, you're you're not you're not sticking him on the wing. You're not worried about him. He's a straight line driver to the basket. Like he's not making crazy plays. Like Dragic can get beat. Tyler Johnson can definitely get beat. Ellington can get beat. And I think Josh Richardson is really their only true two way player that you feel like dangerous about on both ends. And and even he still like has a, has a long way to go offensively. So I think there's there's. Even though it feels like, especially game two, it felt like, man, how do we get by these guys? They're long, they're strong, they're physical. Um, I think that that <laughs> Brett allowed, uh, Brett found ways to exploit the weaknesses that they have as well, and and with that, not just being, oh, we're better than they are. Oh, Simmons is the best player on the court, or Embiid's the best player on the court. I think it was truly like, like countering what they were trying to do. When you say they're long and they're strong, my inclination is to also say that they're down to get the friction. On. They might have been. Honestly, there was plenty of friction. <laughs> double technicals. Wait, I want to talk about double technicals. How do you feel about double technicals in general? Um, 
I, I think it's sending both guys to their corner. I think it's I'm fine with the double. You are. I thought I thought you were gonna have a better take. I think it's I think it's pretty dumb. I think you could have watched that. I think you could have watched the. Uh, sometimes sometimes it's fine, but I think I think it might be overused. Like you could watch that Justin Anderson Wade play and be like, oh Wade grabbed him, yanked him forward, and Anderson used the momentum to like bump into him and then go flying. And so I think that. That's got to be a foul or something or something more well, on Wade than it is on Anderson, and I think they just gave him double technicals. But like, we well, we can't do anything, so fuck it. I I agree on that one, but the the one I was thinking of, I think there was like a Dragic, Sarich one or something where they were they were both like jabbering each other, and they're just like, you two just shut the fuck up, yeah. like technical technical. Yeah. Like I I agree with them in that in that sense. Yeah, I don't um, I don't um, just while we're talking about the refs a little bit, like the. Yeah. The fouls didn't bother me. Like it's a physical game. Both of these teams were like hammering each other pretty legitimately. And people were upset about how many foul calls there were and how many trips to the line there were, but if the guys are fouling each other, you got to call it. What are they not going to call it? Just say like, "Uh, we've we've already called enough fouls. That's probably good." But they were they were hammering each other. These are all fouls. It's not even like a oh, let them play fouls. These are serious legitimate like this would have been a turnover if you didn't call a foul. Like uh plenty of times Dario whoever got pushed in the back and uh, James Johnson was complaining about every single call. Justice Winslow was complaining about every single call. It's like, you're fouling him. You fouled him. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think there are a lot of our listeners aren't old enough to remember that like um, the basketball in the early and mid nineties was like ruined. The NBA was in really bad shape because they weren't calling shit like that. Like when the NBA got gross, like when it was all, knocking the shit out of people and clutching and grabbing and you have playoff games that end up, you know, 82 to 73. Like that lasted, um, when you talk to older people who don't like the NBA, it's because it's oftentimes because that era made them go away and they never came back. So, um, I think calling fouls, like, look, I think it's way worse when you're there. Actually, it makes the, um, when you're watching a game and you're at the game, because there's no one talking or anything, because there's no announcers, I think it really slows it down when you're there and it makes it sort of a bummer to watch. But I'm with you. I would rather they call it and, um, and prevent the game from getting out of hand uh, as long as they're calling it fairly on both sides, I think. How did you feel about the, uh, just the way the Sixers were playing defense? Like strategically? Well, I, I – so – I didn't like it because they were making the shots. Sure, you yes, know? Um, there's that. Like, so, so I was thinking about the same thing in the fr- in the first quarter. I, I started to think, well, is this a a strategy thing because they're clearly trying to um, they're trying to create turnovers, they're trying to pressure, they're but but there's so many guys being left open in the corners that it seems anti what you should do in the NBA right now. It just doesn't seem like, it seems like when everybody's playing to get those shots and you're playing defense that seems to allow those shots, that now that we have Embiid back, maybe we don't need to do that. I I get it when Embiid's not there, Mm -hmm. that you don't have the rim protection and you want to try to turn the ball over maybe a couple more times, get a couple other possessions, but I don't don't think they need to do it when Embiid's in. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... um... It seemed like they were collapsing on everything. It seemed like anytime um, Dragic would drive or or Winslow for a bit or um, James Johnson, it seemed like a, or Wade, a bunch of people were collapsing rather than just like one double team or one help guy. It seemed it seemed like very clearly that anyone could get a shot up. 
So it was like, oh, kick kick to Dragic for an open three, kick to Josh Richardson for an open three. It seemed too easy at times, and that tightened up in the fourth um, as the defense tightened up. But there, I was kind of frustrated watching it just how many times one pass got Miami a pretty yeah. wide open look. And so I don't know if that's yeah. maybe that's why Justin Anderson came in because it's like he can stay with his man or he can bang a little bit more where you don't have to help help onto his guy. Um, but that was fresh. That was a little frustrating for me. He, he was in full pull up the shorts and squat. Yeah, and get in defensive position. Pe- mode. People said it. Like a, couple, it. a bunch of people tweeted at me about it, but I we've talked about it before. I do think that he came very close to slapping the hardwood tonight. I mean, honestly, it might have been. He, Brett only played him nine minutes, and maybe that's why he took him out because he was worried he was going to slap the hardwood, <laughs> and he thought I, I he can't was like, handle not that. Yet. He not earned, yet. He earned minutes. I I mean, feel- we talked about Justin Anderson, but he earned minutes. Two for three from deep. Yeah. Played played solid D, got in the other guy's face. You're gonna need that kind of physicality. What one thing, and I know you're about to make a point, but I we, we talked about it a little bit last time is that how if they were over pursuing shooters on like picks, like when Amir's setting a pick for JJ and Olinick is trying to like over hedge before the ball even gets there, Amir's gotta dive to the basket to to get a an alley oop or an easy layup, and that happened a couple times. But I think the, the the Sixers' lack of above the rim athleticism on on guys that can just receive lobs and, and catches and stuff is a little is, is is keeping them from capitalizing quite as much. Like if for sure, I I would like to see. I know this is crazy, but I, I'm in LL's corner a little bit. I would like to see a little bit of Rashawn. And when Rashawn's in the game, I want to go pick and roll, Rashawn lob. Pick and roll, Rashawn lob. And I think Justin Anderson could do that also. And I I think that the Sixers right now just don't have, especially because Embiid's not quite back to physical shape yet, they just don't have that element of, like, rise above you player uh, because Simmons usually has the ball in his hands and isn't isn't, uh, receiving those passes. So I, I, I would like to see a little bit more Justin Anderson and Rashawn Holmes like getting those lobs behind the defense if they're over-pursuing. Well, I'll tell you, if they're not going to put Rashawn Holmes in, they should tell Simmons because he threw a lob to Mir Johnson tonight that was clearly intended for Rashawn Holmes. It was, it was about six feet above Amir Johnson's head. And I looked that was, at it that and was, was a like, bad play. What alley-oop do you think Amir Johnson is yeah. throwing Well, they, they made a bunch of – I mean, this game – look, Miami played well for the first three quarters, and they were hitting a ton of shots. But the fact that we were still in it is crazy. And additionally, how many bad plays the Sixers were making. Just dumb plays. Embiid going full court, like I mentioned. Simmons alley-oop to Amir. That out-of-bounds play that uh, Ursan threw it to Embiid as he, was, he thought he was in and it wasn't in. And then Embiid missing that alley-oop where he just like doinked it. There were a bunch of those kinds of plays. And I think, I think once that, that tightens up, even though Miami's playing well, I, I think it's, we're going to see more games like this. Just like, oh, we won by 20. That was nice. I have a very important proposition for you. Um, but before I propose it to you, um, I want to do a, a quick update. We introduced our new sponsor, Big Barker uh, Therapeutic uh, uh, Dog Beds. Uh, on the last pod, and the uh, the reaction was uh, was heartening. I enjoyed it, but I mentioned that if you buy the uh, right Ricky Sanchez version one, so if you go to bigbarker.com/ricky, you get the free upgrade. You get the embroidered dog bed, and you send us a picture of your dog. We'll feature it on the website. Well, I took a little time to create this section on rightstorickysanchez.com. I decided to call it Process Pups hashtag. I put Rebel on there. Um, 
But I got to tell you, I am very excited to get pictures of dogs on the right Ricky Sanchez big Barker dog bed. I want our dog brand to get stronger. And I think this is a really good uh, opportunity to do so. So um, Rebel sleeps on the big Barker. 10-year warranty. It is uh, the first therapeutic uh, memory foam foam dog bed. The first, let me start that over, it is the first therapeutic mattress designed for dogs over 50 pounds. They have special dog uh, beds for dogs under 50 pounds. Um, one year at-home trial. If you don't like it, you can send it back. They'll even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. It is a Philly company, um, and uh, they're wonderful. So get your... Writes to Ricky Sanchez upgraded Big Barker dog bed at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. If you want to see the bed, just go to that site or go to our site. And please send us your pictures of your dogs on the bed. A couple people asked about putting cats on the bed. Just get the junior and put the cat on the bed. We'll feature that in the gallery yeah. too. My, I told my dad to get it uh, for, for our family dog, Donovan. And uh, he said Donovan sleeps on the king bed in the bedroom. So... Uh, well, hard to argue. Hard that. to argue. Hard <laughs> to argue with that. Yeah, uh, LL ordered one too uh, for Jake for his dog. For Jake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So here's Wait, my problem. You're gonna say the thing. Oh well, this wasn't even a full thing, but okay. Um, uh, big. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to get into it. Big Barker. Uh, Just say it like you say beds. the LL thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, Big Barker Dog Beds. Oh, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> oh, man. We have the best sponsors. I have, By the way, uh, next pod, when we do the Cornblow, I have a Cornblow, uh, an email from somebody who was in touch with Cornblow that lets you know what kind of guy Cornblow is. I'll read <laughs> great, it great. In, in the next Good, pod. Great tease. So, all right. So here is, trust me, people will be looking forward to it. Here is my proposition to you. There was some more talk online and uh, a half-hearted mention on, I forget which podcast it was. I think it was, uh, oh, I heard, I was listening to the Ringer podcast, the Ringer NBA show, and Kevin O'Connor made a joke about Al Horford, and he like took it back real quick. He was like, or he said, uh, they were asking who should be like first team all NBA, and he goes, oh, no, no, MVP of the playoffs so far. And he goes, Al Horford, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. And I thought to myself, um, of course, Kevin O'Connor's banned from the podcast. He's banned from the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. The only way uh, that he is allowed on is if he gets Bill Simmons to say the name, brings him to the podcast, whatever. I'm thinking there's a possibility, of course, that Robert Covington will not be at the lottery party because of the Eastern Conference Finals. Would you approve of, on a live pod, if Kevin O'Connor were to show up that we have a trial of Kevin O'Connor, and it is presided by Cornblow as the judge, uh, I, and let him present his case. I think it's an interesting thought, <laughs> but but unfortunately, according to the <laughs> list that I'm looking at <laughs> right now, impossible to do because he's banned. Oh, and banned people he's, can't he's a- show up. He can show up. He's right. welcome to come. He can buy a ticket and come. He can't be on the podcast because right. he's banned. Just like Sharp. Sharp's, Sharp That's right. has been to three lottery parties now. Okay. So he is, he is on the Mike Weber memorial band list. That's right. So he cannot. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, what did you think of the, uh, you of the James Johnson? 
I mean, he's for a guy that shoots not well from three and not a consistent shooter, for him to take a shot from the corner and turn to the Sixers bench and midair, Steph Curry style, and look at him, look at TJ specifically, like he just punked him. I, I was so impressed by the balls to do that. He's a 31% three-point shooter. He's never shot higher than 34% from deep his whole career. Any season his whole career, 34% from deep. Never. And in the playoffs, he takes a shot as it's up in the air, looks at TJ, looks at the bench. That feels like a Spike Gaskin kind of player. Yeah, yes, I would like him if he was like you like we've said, a lot of the Miami guys I would like if they were they were on my team. Um the uh the one last thing I had, and then we can if you had anything else, um, a quick just moment of ish, uh, around the league with the Smith, but is really a former Sixer moment, is um, Drew Holiday, I think, it means a lot to us in a lot of ways. I mean, I really liked Drew when he was here. I was a big fan of his, and I thought he, he had a lot of potential. But obviously, he was the guy that they traded to kickstart the process itself. Mm-hmm. And for him to go through... You know, the injuries he's gone through the last few years, the thing that his uh, wife has gone th- had to go through um, health-wise, to be playing like this um, it, on a stage like this, and it looks like they're about to beat the Blazers again. They could still sweep the Trail Blazers. And getting this sort of credit, I really feel good for Drew Holiday. I'm glad he's playing so well. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never, I've never had anything against yeah. Drew. He's great. And he was yeah. the only guy on that team that could get them anything. At risk, yeah. at risk of relitigating the process once again, they, I mean, he, that's, that's, Hinky wanted to rebuild, so he traded the only piece that could get that, that could get them anything and started the rebuild. It was great. He's great. I value him and absolutely root for the guy and root for New Orleans against really anybody out West. I would love for them to make some noise. It's fun. By the way, Joel Embiid scored 23 points and 11 shots tonight. Yeah. Got the line a bunch. Uh, not bad. We talked about Embiid a lot, but just a just another Simmons comment because he is still so young, has such a long way to go. But six of thirteen from the field, seven of eight from the line, nineteen, yep. twelve, seven, three turnovers in forty minutes is not bad at all. Four steals, plus twenty four, led the team in plus minus. That's that's great. I mean, I'm just and he played. There were a couple, obviously, made some some not great decisions. Uh, a couple missed bunnies inside that were frustrating. Like, he gets to the rim and then doesn't either fades away or leans away or just tries to flip it up and assumes he's going to get the rebound. But against guys that can jump with him, like the guys on, the, on Miami, uh, he maybe doesn't. And um, But some incredibly versatile defense in the fourth that, uh, that turned the game around. Like, he was covering everybody on the court, uh, switching on to whoever – being able to ride him, box him out, step out to three. Like, I know we talk about it so much, but God, it's just crazy how good he is on defense. It's crazy. He contests. He can. He knows where to be. He's smart about like collapsing at the right times. That's we're we're very lucky to have him. I can't wait to see how his game grows over over the years. And just and just in, in keeping with the great defense in the fourth. Like, remember. Obviously, we talked about how turnovers used to be a problem with this team. Ten turnovers against a very pesky, very 
aggressive Miami team, holding it to ten turnovers is great, and and well, not and, and closing out ga- closing out the game in the fourth quarter. They they blew so many games earlier in the season and in seasons past, and for them to grow up this fast and be like, hey, in the playoffs on the road, tied one one, we're gonna beat you thirty two to fourteen in the fourth quarter, is it's ludicrous. This is a real team. It's it seems like we were right. Seems like we were right. Truly does. Seems seems like we were right. I only have, okay. I only have one more thing. If you uh, okay, if you're good, uh, Stan Van Gundy, Woj reports yeah. meeting me- with the owner. Meeting with the owner of Detroit to talk about his future. Really, just a nice way to go into the fourth quarter with that news, and then the Sixers with that knowledge. I think probably Lloyd Pierce got the got the alert on his phone and told his guys, and then they were like, "Oh, we should turn on the Jets. This is exactly what we need." And I love it. I mean, Stan Van, good guy off the court, on the court, one of my least favorite people of all time. And I'm proud to beat him, even beating him, not even playing him, and they beat him tonight. Here's here's what I would hope happens. He he loses his job. I don't hope anybody loses their job, but here's what I would hope. I hope he loses his job, and uh, Brett Brown calls him, and he's like, Stan, would you like to join the staff? (laughs) You can work work under Jim O'Brien. Yeah. Learn a couple things. So Stan says yes, and they have the press conference. And um, as it's starting, Brett Brown, you know, Brian Colangelo does his, you know, his take. Josh Harris sitting there awkwardly or whatever. And Brett goes, um, we're very proud to bring Stan on. But Stan, before you coach your first game, you have to admit you were wrong about the process. I <laughs> In front of everyone. I would rather, in keeping with the ban list... I would rather them pretend to hire him, have a press conference, and in, and realize that the contract is a fake right before his eyes, <laughs> and then B dunks on him, and then pants him, <laughs> and forces all the media members in attendance to look at Stan Van's asshole that we've been living inside for years now. <laughs> That's how I would like um, that to go. And then he goes, and the only way you're allowed to coach the Sixers is if you get Bill Simmons to say the name. <laughs> yeah, same way, same deal. Hey, two one lead. We'd love to we'd love to win game four, but feeling good no matter what, momentum back. I feel like to just take the heart out of them, winning game four at on in their weak ass court and then coming home to win in front of our crowd would be really really nice. Yeah, would love to um would love to win the series in five and give Embiid a chance to rest his face for (laughs) five or six days Mm -hmm. while uh you know, while we wait for the second round to start. So, um, okay, uh, that's it. We'll talk to you on, uh, when's the next game? Next game, Saturday afternoon. And uh, this has been our eighth podcast of the week, and we're happy to do it. So Wait, one, one um, there's a quote that just came out. Uh, yep. Dwayne Wade said, Justin Anderson was brought in by the Sixers as a, quote, tough guy, and the refs wouldn't do anything about it, so he had to. Okay. All right, man. What is he was fucking? He was playing defense on me, and then turned yeah. to get a rebound or protect the rim. And I decided because he was a bad guy that I would grab him by the arm and yank him all out of the play. And I'm the good guy in that situation, as Dwayne Wade, me myself. Yeah. There he is, Dwayne Look, Wade. If I wasn't such a big no Gabriel, if I wasn't such a big Gabriel Union fan, I'd be. Very anti Dwayne Wade. <laughs> but I am a big Gabriel Union fan. She's great. 
Okay. All right. Let's not ruin the podcast with Gabrielle Union hey. fan bullshit. Look, she's she's great in two can play that game. She knows what she's doing. Bad boys will follow her forever. All right, you done? I'm ready. <laughs> I think I'm good. All right. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, lickface. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Uppers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to